see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, I'm Sean Riley, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. Today, we delve into the world of raw food processing, and in particular, raw pet foods, with raw pet food pioneer Steve's Real Foods. Nicole Lindsley is the owner of Steve's Real Foods and discusses how the Food Safety Modernization Act changed the game for raw pet food processing. After spending two years evaluating its food safety program, Steve's Real Food decided high-pressure processing was the best way to meet FSMA requirements, but they also found that the added shelf life made it possible for Steve's to grow into a company with distribution in many different international markets. Let's get raw. And with all the fancy introductions out of the way, welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is definitely all ours, believe me. Um, so so this is this is actually a very interesting um company that you're you're currently the CEO of. And um, I guess to kind of get us started, I'm I'm familiar with the name. You know, I know Steve's Real Food, and I know that you guys are, I guess, kind of pioneers in the whole um, raw pet food and making it convenient and stuff like that. So I guess if you could just kind of give us a background on that first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Steve's Real Food has been around since 1998, um, and we were the first nationally distributed raw pet food on the market and kind of pioneered the way. And when we say pioneered, we mean like... Uh, we had to educate the retailer why raw pet food was so important and and it worked so well for pets. And so, you know, our company is based on an education sales model. So we really go out and teach people about why raw pet food works, why whole living food is important and, and, and why your customers or the retailer's customers should be purchasing the food. And so, you know, we did that back in the 2000s and have been doing it since. And, uh, you know, now we're now a multinational distributed uh, company in, in many different international markets with our frozen and freeze dried foods. That's really cool. And this is just me asking this question. Like I have a dog, I'm a pet owner and I've always been, you know, told not to, you know, I'm cutting up steak for dinner or something like that, not to feed it to the dog. Like what, what am I doing? What's different? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so some people do feel that, you know, raw meat is going to have bacteria in it and you shouldn't feed that to your dog. Um, we actually like to kind of bust that myth. Uh, pets are able to handle certain amounts of bacteria. And so if you were to have a piece of chicken on your counter and you were going to cook it up for yourself and, and you know, had a little trim that you're going to throw away, absolutely. You can feed it to your pet. They're lower to the ground and, you know, they're, they're able to process that because even their digestive system is almost opposite of what ours is. 
And so the food sits in their, in their stomach for a, a bit longer and it uh, will naturally kill the bacteria before it even enters it, the t- intestine. So, you know, you feeding raw pet to your pets is perfectly fine. However, you know, when you're handling it for yourself, clearly you can eat it and you need to be careful and make sure you wash your hands and the utensils and your cutting board. Um, and so, you know, with raw pet food, this is why, you know, we, we don't have too big of a concern um, for, for bacteria for pets, but we do for humans. And so, you know, that's why we've, it, you know, started using some processes uh, such as HPP um, that help us make it safe for humans to handle and make them feel more comfortable feeding it. See, that's, that's interesting. And now I can go back and tell my wife that I've been fine all this time because I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes <laughs> I do exactly that where I, I may you, have actually... You are perfectly... As long as you're washing your hands right. after, you're yeah, perfectly I'm, fine. That's, I, I figure they're outside. They're, you know, rummaging around in the backyard. They're animals. Like, there's going to be times that they oh, yeah. come across things that, you know, they, they, they survived for thousands of years without us, you know, making them food. But we obviously got off track there. Exactly. But I'm glad that you clear that up for me. So at least I got that out of this and can use that in my house for my, that one person listening. Anyway, um, yeah. circling back. So, so something like um, high pressure processing, you know, we kind of, this is a podcast about that. So everybody knows sort of the ins and outs of it, but how is that something that would be utilized from a, a raw pet food perspective? Like just kind of give us why that's a benefit. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, Bacteria wasn't a problem for pets. And for the longest time, you know, from about, uh, you know, 1998 is when we started. And uh, from 1988 until about uh, 2011, it wasn't an issue. And we didn't try to mitigate the bacteria because it wasn't a problem for pets. However, in 2011 is when the Food Safety Modernization Act was passed And that made it uh, so pet food was regulated by new governing bodies and we had new uh, rules to fall. So we had to make sure that um, pet food did have no bacteria for pets or or for humans. Pets, again, were perfectly fine, but humans needed to be able to handle it um, and not be concerned about the bacteria in it. Um, and so that's why we, you know, implemented the high pressure processing. Um, it was a decision we made after looking at, um, I want to say about 10 other methods that could have been used to help mitigate bacteria. Um, but after doing a full analysis on everything from cost to barriers of uh, implementation uh, to the to, you know, public perception, um, we decided high pressure processing was the best one to use. And that was mainly because it was so effective with so little effect on the food, meaning texture, palatability, um, color, and nutritional. Um, you know, it didn't it didn't affect the food any any way nutritionally. And so we have started using it on all of our food from uh, both the frozen and the freeze dried lines, and uh, you know have been able to have many different validation studies to prove that uh, the bacteria is mitigated and it is safe to handle for, for humans. Um, now we do still encourage people to wash their hands. <laughs> it's, it's just good practice. Um, but, but, you know, uh, it, it is a, a safe, uh, safe product to use. So that's really interesting. So again, most of this is for the human, not for the actual, like, and I'm, I'm not, you know, negating the pet value of it, no. I'm saying, but most of this for the high pressure processing and to, 
is for the handling by the humans and you guys basically i'm kind of dumbing this down to to repeat it back to you is basically mm -hmm. finding a way for the humans to handle it but maintain all the nutrients and hpp was kind of the best way to do it absolutely um yeah interesting it, it's all for for the and that's what the food safety modernization act was it was uh right right you know it's governed by the fda not by usda so yeah it's all all for the humans which we agree we we want to make sure that um you know because people do handle pet food you know dry pet food especially and, and don't wash their hands after and so we would we would hate to think that a human would would do that for raw pet food as well but they might and we want to make sure it's safe if they don't right okay completely so so how about beyond um Steve's like, are there other, like, how is, is HPP in, in terms of the pet food industry? Is it something other people are embracing? Is it something that mm -hmm. is becoming more widespread? Are you guys ahead of the curve with that as well? Like, what could you tell me about that? Yeah. So high pressure processing has been adopted by most fresh pet food companies. You know, our, clearly the nature of our ingredients, we're using fresh raw chicken, fresh raw produce. Um, and so we need to be able to have something that can, you know, mitigate bacteria so we are in compliance. Um, kibble, on the other hand, you're, you know, their, their process, their cooking process is going to kill off bacteria for the most part. But, you know, any fresh poop pet food company, and that's even your lightly cooked foods, because there's a lot of foods out there now that they'll do um, kind of like a sous vide process on the, on the meats. They still need to use an HPP process to become fully compliant with FSMA. So any fresh pet food out there is is adopting or will be adopting HPP. A few of the smaller companies, you know, may be avoiding it because it is a very, you know, high cost process to implement. And so, you know, if you if you don't have the resources to do that, it might be a little bit of a challenge. Um, but if you are the larger companies with some uh, financial backing, they, most people are making the decision to go that direction. Now, how does it, you've kind of touched on it, but I, I guess I'm thinking um, because we're, we're so, you know, PMMI is so tied with packaging in general and processing in general, like how, how is HPP benefiting raw pet food uh, for pet, you know, the pet food industry? Is it also going to help from a shelf life, extending shelf life point of view? Is it, is that something that's just going to be strictly the packaging that's going to do that? What are other ways that it's kind of benefiting the raw pet food market? Yeah. Um, so the shelf life has been extended for us. We found that we were able to, um, even after it's defrosted, it, it stays good mm -hmm. longer. And then the uh, on the freeze dry process, uh, we were able to extend our, our shelf life by um, about six months. Uh, you know, just because of that, that processing. And so, um, so yeah, absolutely. The shelf life has improved. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we don't put shelf life on our packaging um, other than a best by date, but our best by date is actually shorter than the actual shelf life because our shelf life is so long. Sure. <laughs> um, so, but in terms of, you know, packaging, what people do like to see is that, um, you know, it is a, a safer product and that they can feel confident feeding it because just like you know you're mentioning your wife who who naturally feels that they shouldn't be feeding their pet a raw food 
well, if you can, you can say that, you know, you've achieved, uh, you know, zero bacteria in your food, then it can give a little bit more confidence to the the broader public, because most people do have that perception. This goes to because what I'm thinking, as I with the raw pet food in general, we have any um, a generation that's younger than me, but that is moving up, that is more aware of, you know, health and benefits, the benefits of being healthy and health consciousness. And that is obviously being passed on to their pets. And there's more awareness of, you know, you're not just grabbing whatever pet food there is, you know, on sale and throwing it in the bowl. Like you're, you know, you're worried about your pet's health as well. So I'm trying to kind of tie that in my brain as well with how that this HPP being on the package and, and, and it, is there a way that that is helping to also market this to those people that are thinking, okay, I want to improve my dog's health. I want to give them something more natural. This is, you know, helping by extending, you know, the shelf life and keeping all the preservatives and the nutrients and things like that. So I guess that's where I was kind of thinking of that from that point of view. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it allows us to keep our ingredient label clean Mm -hmm. and we don't have to use artificial preservatives and um, you know, you know, the, the consumer doesn't think, oh, they're using HPP, so I feel better about it. It's more like you're, um, you look at your ingredients and we're not adding any crazy chemicals to, to extend that shelf life. Right. They don't need to understand how you kept it out. They just can see on there because you have to say what's in there that it's not, that it has been kept out. And that's kind of the, the end result, which is helping the consumer as well. Yep, Absolutely. Very interesting. So I guess just to kind of wrap up, like this is, you know, for the the cold pressure council. So how did you, you know, how did Steve's Pet Foods, how did you guys get involved with CPC and how is it helping you with your HPP business? Yeah. um, So CPC has been a great resource for us. Uh, We got involved with them pretty much as soon as we implemented the HPP process. Um, You know, they provide a lot of studies and, and data that has helped us um, not only in implementing HPP, but also, um, you know, like I said, we're an education-based company. And so we need to be able to have, you know, facts and data that we can share with retailers and, and pet parents so that they understand how HPP works and why it's effective and why it does not affect um, important things like probiotics, um, because that's a very big concern. If you're if you're talking to retailers or consumers and saying, "Oh, we're we're killing all the bacteria in the food," well, the first thing that a lot of consumers think is, "Well, what about the probiotics?" And yep. um, you know, we've been able to work with the CPC and and different um, you know members of the CPC that have helped us uh, get the data we need and and share it. Um, and so, and that's one of the, the best things that I think that that organization has helped us with is, is just the openness and sharing of knowledge. Very cool. And again, this is just, I'm thinking of it this whole time, like we're talking about pet food and we're talking about raw pet food. And these are all things that would apply to human food as well. And it, it mm-hmm. I, I just, this was super interesting to me and I, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to uh, come on, excuse me, and kind of explain um, how this is benefiting pets. Now I can, again, in my own house, I have a victory that I can bring back. And I'm sure other people listening to this who may have uh, fed their their pets some raw food. But uh, yeah, that's very interesting. And, and I thank you again for taking time to come on here and, and talk about Steve's Pet Food. Yeah, well, again, thank you for having me and appreciate you taking the time to talk. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, 
go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.